Hello, everyone. Welcome to our Inspiring Thoughts podcast uh, for this week. Uh, I'm really lucky our special guest this week is Dan Wood, who's the Chief Officer for People and OD at Avon and Somerset Constabulary. So first of all, Dan, Happy New Year and also welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Stephen. It's great to be with you. Thank yeah, you. really good. So uh, in preparation today for Dan, Dan's had questions given to him beforehand so he can prepare and we're going to go through those questions. But Dan, so that people can get to know you, first of all, would you mind just giving us a, a description of your career history? Yeah, sure. OK, so uh, I'm slightly unusual to find myself where I am, I think, of having not come through a professional kind of HR route uh, or certainly a traditional one anyway. Um, so, you know, going right back, I, uh, you know, went to school in Bristol and um, was told basically, um, Dan, I'm not sure you should come back to this sixth form because you probably won't pass your, your English exam, uh, at which point I decided to go to further education college. So it was a kind of a prompt to go and do something that most kids didn't do back in my school because most people went to uh, the sixth form there. Um, and I, I went to Filton College to do A-levels and um, I did English, despite being told that that was not the thing that I'd be able to to do in life. Um, and it went all right. Um, it was fine. Uh, so I decided that I could um, do a publishing degree at Oxford Brookes University. Um, and I spent uh, three brilliant years there. It's a fantastic university and I still fondly uh, follow that. Um, to see how they're doing um, and uh, as it happens I actually had to take a year out during the course of my studies because um, I became uh, ill with Legionnaire's disease. Um, I'll tell you why in a moment. Uh, I was doing some interesting things outside of work that caused me to travel around a lot um, and you know stay in hotels and that kind of thing which is um, apparently can, can have its dangers believe it or not. Um, but uh, thereafter, I um, went to do a PGCE on the fast track programme for leadership and management and schools at Exeter University. Um, and very sadly, again, that was slightly thwarted because my mother was unwell um, and I returned home to, to, to sort of start to look after her, alongside which I took up temping roles. Um, very wisely, my mum had um, got me involved in sort of learning how to touch type from a young age and, and all that kind of thing, made me take my CV down to the um, temping agencies to sign up so that I'd have an income during the holidays and that kind of thing, which was brilliant because it gave me an insight in lots lots of different organisations and, and businesses. But um, that's really what kind of landed me a, a job while I was back home looking after mum. And uh, I ended up in an organisation called Skills for Health, um, and that's the UK Sector Skills Council for Health, um, involved in workforce development, uh, helping the, the sector to kind of deal with workforce challenges, setting occupational standards and so on. Um, and you know, after having temped there, I was invited to, to take on a, a permanent job, uh, which I did in the marketing department. I became their first website administrator um, back, you know, back in the days when websites were fairly clunky old things. Um, but there was a content management system and I had to maintain uh, the, the content going onto the website. Um, uh, and the organisation was expanding a great deal um, at the time and growing. So it, it built a marketing department. And um, again, uh, I was invited to apply for a, a role that um, you know, had a much broader marketing communications remit. And really kind of cut my teeth learning about how to, to communicate with all sorts of different organisations, public, um, you know, private sector and third sector uh, in, in, in health, um, all about the products and services that skills, skills for Health offered. 
Um, and you know, I spent nine years in that organisation, ultimately then uh, working in corporate governance, supporting non-exec directors and the board and the chief exec, John Rogers, who's still there, actually working with the Workforce um, Development Trust, as it's called now. It's since expanded and absorbed all sorts of different entities and broadened its remit. Um, so that was my sort of nine wonderful years uh, in the health sector. Uh, I even did some consultancy work um, as it commercialised its operations. So I ended up um, you know, supporting all sorts of things from uh, apprenticeship programmes and um, helping organisations with kind of workforce development and OD challenges. Um, I did that again with the NHS independent and voluntary parts of the sector. Uh, and then this job came up in policing um, and, you know, it was uh, sort of a, a stretch. It would have been a big, big jump for me. It was a head of um, strategy and planning. Um, and I happened to know some people in the organisation. So I picked up the phone and said, I've seen you've advertised this role. Tell me all about it. What's happening in the organisation at the moment? Um, and they gave me you know, a really good um, perspective on where the organisation where policing was. So I, you know, fairly speculatively put my application in. Um, and landed up, you know, a couple of weeks later in front of the then temporary uh, chief constable um, and one of the chief superintendents being interviewed. Uh, and it kind of went OK. It was fine. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed learning about them. I thought, yeah, this is something that could be a good career break for me. Um, and uh, shortly after, I was contacted back to say that someone else had got the job. So, OK, that's a shame. Um, you know, let's carry on and see what else comes up. Um, and uh, anyway, some months passed and as I was walking around the supermarket, uh, as you do, um, the phone went and they said, um, yeah, the other candidate, uh, he's already a chief exec, someone else um, or whatever, had declined the opportunity, you know, something had fallen through on the role. Would I like it? Um, so I said, yeah, why not? <laughs> Um, so that's how you, uh, I ended up in policing, um, being their first uh, kind of head of strategy and planning, coordinating all sorts of business planning and, and so on. And, yet, uh, you know, as time went on, the role changed and expanded and I ended up with several promotions, um, ultimately taking on a much bigger function with several hundred staff um, looking after change management, digital services, um, audit and inspection. Um, yeah, a whole range of sort of performance analytics, which incidentally, even in some set has become a leading light on in policing in the UK and beyond. It's one of the things I'm sort of most proud of in my time here. Um, and uh, after doing that for a few years and going through sort of periods of austerity and all sorts of rounds of service redesign and you know all the challenges that go with that, um, uh, a role uh, supporting the then chief officer in, in my current role uh, as his deputy uh, came up, um, um, and you know I, I learned all about HR, um, people management alongside that, picking up the kind of COPD um, uh, stuff, and uh, then when he went to uh, South Wales University to be the chief operating officer, I applied for for this job, and I've been doing that for the last few years, so. I'm now nearing eight and a half years in um, in policing uh, and um, yeah, due to move very shortly in February to the University of the West of England as the chief people officer there. So so that's the positive history. But I did say about the Legionnaires piece, um, yeah. I, I, alongside that, as, um, I've been volunteering for the Scouts, which has been a lifelong passion of mine. Um, I've not done so much of it latterly just simply because of work demands. But uh, at the time we were launching a new programme for young people across the United Kingdom. 
Um, so I've been, you know, on planes, trains and automobiles to the length and breadth of the country in just about every other hotel going, uh, some less than salubrious places, shall we say. Yeah. Um, and uh, that's how I ended up catching Legionnaire's disease and a few months, uh, you know, stay in, in the lovely Neville Hall Hospital in Abergavenny. Oh, wow. um, so so quite an interesting experience but yeah lots of stuff around side uh, you know around work in terms of non-exec roles trusteeship got school governor etc etc which i think has um complemented my career really nicely yeah and and um even listening to you then about just the broad the broadness of understanding um where you've done work for the scouts that you've challenged yourself in different roles because i heard that when you said about the big stretch and the challenge uh, along that um if I just don't mind me asking, the first question you said, or the first answer you said is the non-conventional way of HR and getting into that role. Um, what kind of made you do that, like to push you into that or go for that role? Because some people would be put off going, well, that's not yeah. the normal route or to go down. What what kept you going or what kind of uh, made you passionate about going into those roles? Yeah, two, two things. One, uh, advice and encouragement from someone who... Uh, I admired and appreciated uh, and to maybe a bit of a chip on my shoulder about you know I, I don't feel I have an obvious career direction or you know this idea of a profession whatever that might be and I'm kind of making it up as I go along which it, it, you've you know you come to learn is the only way actually <laughs> of, of leading or working working out how to get things done um, so there was you know that idea of getting that kind of badge of professionalism uh, and learning something uh, you know through the CIPD that would um, Know, attract some some value and recognition but also then you know the chief constable Andy Marsh at the time uh, saying Dan you're, you're just brilliant about people you know you like you, you get uh, the the way in, in which people kind of think and feel about things and we're we're a values-based organization and we need to shape our HR services in that way um, and you've had some success around change management and so on so can you come and apply that in in the HR world and I thought yeah great I, uh, yeah I really rate you Andy if you can see there's something in that then um, why not give it a go yeah. say yes and worry about it later and it's so nice because even in my career um, I've gone into some bigger better roles so better I mean as in broader but um, I was encouraged to do them and I think a good leader encourages people to move forward and try things new take a risk if that makes sense I think that's really really important as an authentic leader to encourage other people to move forward so I can see that really resonating with yourself which is great to share yeah, and I love yeah. the way that you just said I've made my career up as I I go along and so I think that's brilliant really refreshing uh, yeah, rather than being in so silo it's helpful to have a general direction, isn't it? And and to know, you know, very often people ask that question of youngsters, don't they? What do you want to be when you grow up? And people think about job titles and roles, many of which never exist by the time you get there. Um, but, you know, I think it's much better to think what it is that motivates and inspires you about work and then to, to find that in different avenues as opportunities arrive. Yeah. Yeah, and it, I think that's a really nice way of turning it on its head of what motivates you to do it, rather than I go for that job role, which is great. So, um, as you were growing up, Dan, who inspired you in kind of your life or career? Who inspired you? Yeah, so I, I, I mean, I've mentioned scouting already, but you know, various mentors. Um, 
whether it was you know the immediate leader in my group who always encouraged me and pushed me to do different things um or as i became involved in the national organization and internationally um you know senior uh, leaders in, in the organization you know in probably later times you know the chief scout of the organization that um i had the privilege to select twice over or play a significant role in selecting twice over at later points um but you know pe people who embodied a sense of um you know purpose and and values and you know sense of mission and what they were doing that you know really spoke to me so the reason why scouts because um really it kind of spoke to me about the value of learning and education in ways that schooling and academic work didn't really click for me i was always seen as that kind of late bloomer slightly behind with the academic stuff and i had to work very hard to catch up but you know learning by doing and you know small teams and finding out about leadership and taking adventure uh, adventurous risks and try, trying out you know new things and traveling and all that sort of stuff i got it there i got what learning and education was about and those leaders spoke to that in me really yeah and it's um just to pick up on there it's not just always about learning from a book it's the practical side of learning and that sense of adventure and newness that people to try so it's not just about watching a video it's go and try different things and experience those things um i've heard you a couple of times say about values which resonates with me brilliantly so um, i really believe in values that are so important that they flow for organizations and the person as well why are values so important to you Dan? So that's such a big question isn't it but you know what else is there I suppose is is, is the, the the sort of initial reaction that comes to mind you know when you strip it all back actually if you don't stand for something you don't stand on some kind of solid ground and take a position and have a have a view on what's important in life what do I value what matters to me um, and what matters um to to others around me um then really what what are we as human beings so so really that that kind of sense of inner compass um to use another nice scouty kind of metaphor um you know kind of helping us find out where our true north is where we're going what the purpose and direction of our uh, of our life is um and then to contribute in meaningful ways to others lives uh, in hopefully ways that are complementary to their values and the organizations you decide to associate with so i've always seen them as sort of guideposts and guardrails if i can put it like that sort of they show the way um and they put the they help remind you about where the boundaries and parameters of good conduct and good character lie um, so that's how i think about it I, I was smiling then, Dan, because when you said about the North Star, I, I bore people with saying that's the purpose, the North Star that we're going to. So um, I definitely kind of resonate with me. And also, I love the bit about what matters. So when I've seen really good thriving organisations and culture, people live and breathe the values and really knows what matters to uh, it could be their customers, their clients, their colleagues, etc. But it really kind of resonates. So I, I just... Uh, I kind of just smiling and echo everything you say there. So I really appreciate it. if you strip it all back and I love the way you phrase strip it all back. What actually matters is really, really important. So, yeah, so, you can see so that. So often, I mean, especially in these times, you know, we've got sort of very, um, you know, tumultuous, uncertain uh, world in which we live. And we're all sort of buffeted from every angle, aren't we? Whether yeah. it's by, by the media or politics or, you know, just in the challenges of daily work life. And sometimes you've got to have an anchor somewhere to go back to say, well, you know, what 
what's really important here and I, I think you know having a um those those guideposts and those guardrails to help you think through what do I do in any given moment and yeah. then to try to integrate them into your life so actually that becomes quite intuitive and natural yeah. um that that's I think that's the only way to you know kind of be successful get things done in a way that has integrity yeah and it, it the, the bit for me is about being genuine so an authentic leader is what they say and do on an email or when they speak to people or in the presence of a presentation etc they're genuine so you see that person in all facets uh, and that kind of resonates through so dan how would you describe your leadership style how would you describe that so um i've uh, probably borrowed this from somebody else but um you know it's a kind of follow me i'm right behind you sort of style i guess um you know coaching and supportive um i think uh you know somebody who i think it, it, when the situation requires can be adaptable and kind of set the pace and you know um be a bit you know stronger more authoritative and, and directive in approach but that's not my preference my preference mm-hmm. is to uh to work with and um you know through other people and try to bring out the best in them to create conditions in which people can thrive and then to you know kind of coach and support them uh, to do that so I'm, I'm a kind of curious sort of person I'm, I'm fascinated by people and human behavior um so you know i, I sort of uh, get absorbed in what it is that makes other people's tick other people tick and, and try to just tap 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 into that and find out you know how to motive, motivate inspire um, and bring out the best in them uh, and different things will work in different situations at different times but you know i'd like to think i'm you know somebody who tries to uh encourage individuals to be themselves but be the best version of themselves yeah and, and it's the bit there of we, as a leader you've got to let people fall over and you've got to let people try new things otherwise they're not going to learn um, and I think so many of us over the years through our, our um, careers have said we've learned the best things by falling over and that made us better as a stronger as a leader, etc. Um, and I love the way that you say about letting people then uh, kind of have a go at it, encourage, etc. leadership, but then you coach afterwards, uh, which is a really lovely way. So would you just tell me a bit more about kind of the coaching you do with colleagues or the work yeah, you do with them? I mean, done all sorts of coaching but it's certain you know in the, in the more formal sense um but you know informally it is my style i think is to to getting things done and i try to um you know try to start where people are at themselves find out about them and take this very curious sort of approach questions and almost uh, encourage people to think for them through for themselves yeah. what's what's going to be the best way for me to tackle a challenge what is it that's making me feel something about the particular thing i'm facing at the moment um you know why might i have framed it in, a, in the yeah. way i have so can i see that a bit differently are there options available to me that maybe i haven't considered so i'd say you know to prompt and kind of provoke thoughts about that but i love what you said around um sort of creating environments in which we can um take risks and yeah. sometimes make mistakes and fail none of us learn in any other way i think so yeah. you know that whole idea again um sounding fanatical about the scouts now but it's a wonderful model isn't yeah. it of yes right from a very young age um take you know having the adventurous outlook of trying something you've never done before 
um, but in an environment in which it's safe to fail because there's good experienced people around you that can help you through um, through that and help you move on take the learning from yeah. it and be even better next time yeah. and and the, the spiritual part of me is we're all human beings aren't we so we are going to make mistakes and we are going to fail but actually it's about our opportunity to people to encourage try new things um, and really develop that way uh, that's what I find fascinating uh, and I found that in my career echoing your career of letting people really have a go at new roles really demonstrate really try to do that but then coach them afterwards about how it could have gone better or they could learn from that mistake rather than i have seen in other industries where it's if i've made one mistake that's their career ruined or it's the fear then so i just really love the way that you position it that actually it's okay to make a mistake but we can learn from that and coach and develop that person yeah and, and again incredibly difficult in some environments isn't it because uh, when you know I operate in a, a policing context at the moment, I'm surrounded by people who are making life and death decisions every day. Yeah. Uh, you you can't make the same mistake uh, repeatedly in that yes. environment. Um, but equally, if you have people, even when the stakes are high, that aren't prepared to take calculated risks um, yeah. and to uh, feel that there's the psycho you know, psychological safety or that, that it's okay to, to to raise things that have gone wrong you know you never get better as an organization um and that's very easy to say when you're not in the uh you know the position of holding that accountability because um in environments like these you know the the media um rightly the public um you know and, and the standard setting bodies or the inspection bodies hold um you know, hold us to high standards yeah. and, and, you know, there's accountability and scrutiny that goes with it. But yeah. I think all of all of them, when they think about it, would also want an environment in which their public service professionals yeah. uh, f feel that they can, um, you know, can develop and learn and, and, you know, be human ultimately, because we yeah. need them to be human, to be at their yeah. best and deal with some of the, the toughest yeah. things that we experience in life and support yeah. us uh, in that way. Yeah. No, absolutely spawn and, and very well put really well put and uh, what would you say are the, the successful leadership traits that you see so what would you kind of pinpoint as throughout your career what would you say the most successful leadership traits are so um i think i'd start with knowing yourself actually yeah, which might be a, so slightly a strange thing to start and maybe it's not the first thing that everyone thinks of when they think of leadership but you know, taking the time to actually reflect upon that whole thing about what do I believe in, what do I stand for, um, you know, what's my approach, um, and then to reflect as you go on what could I have done better and so on. I think that's absolutely integral to effective uh, leadership and, you know, in the course of doing it, to accept the imperfections and the uh, frailties that, you know, as you rightly put, we're all human, we all have. Um, and, you know, that has in turn the impact of showing others that actually, um, you know, you uh, understand what vulnerability feels like. Um, and, you know, that you um, you can connect with those um, you know, fundamental motivators that each of us will, will have. And I think I think that's essential. So you have to know yourself in order to know other people and spending some time thinking about that. What matters to me? What kind of leader do I want to be? Um, what do I stand for? What do I believe in? All of, all of that stuff is, is, is absolutely essential. Uh, you've also got to have some sense of where you're going or where you want to get to. Um, and you know, to be able to articulate that in a compelling way, a way that um, is uh, persuasive and 
that people lean into and want to hear more about. Um, so, you know, uh, you've got to be able to paint pictures, I think, with words to bring to life um, the destination and the direction of travel that you, you know, you're hoping we might go. Um, and I believe also great, you know, great leaders try to then work on the conditions and the context to try to make sure that all the um, component parts are in place to enable uh, people to thrive because it's ultimately people that, that take you towards that destination and, and you know, try and do that in a way that brings people to the destination, brings people with you along the way. As I say, um, you know, gets behind people who are innovating and who are ahead of you, actually recognise spots, talent and um, you know, tries to galvanise uh, teams behind behind that. So, you know, I think that's what that's what leadership's really about. Know yourself so you can know and connect with other people. Think about destination and direction, and then how do you take people with you in in that way? And it's um in earlier on in my career, I thought I could do everything myself. So I thought the true leader is weakness is asking for help, support, other people, etc. And I thought, right, this, you know, I can do it all. Steve can do it all himself and that. And then I learned over the years that surrounding myself with sometimes better people than me, different ideas, different views really shaped the team, brought in great collaboration, really creative thinking. Uh, and the other thing that it allowed me to do, and I really want to pick up on those compelling stories, painting pictures, it allowed me to do the things that I was good at, painting the pictures, telling the stories, the North Star, but it gave me freedom to breathe by using other people around me to help support and grow the team. So I just love the way that you put that there uh, as well. So that was just kind of um, for all those leaders out there that don't try and do it by yourself, involve other people because the, the people have got some great views out there. There's that, um, you know, there's we're sort of schooled, aren't we, to become technically good, good or good enough at the thing that we were doing up until the point that we're asked to do something bigger that we don't know how to do. And, yeah. you know, the danger is that you stick to your you're knitting and you just kind of you know think that the task is the most important thing when actually it's the team that get the task done and yeah. you know it's the, the context that you have to take care of in order that the team can thrive yeah. um you know and so uh, it's really simple stuff isn't it but that, i love that john john adair model task yeah. team individual and then helicopter yeah. and sometimes even looking at yourself looking at that is a great yeah. way of thinking about how you frame your your yeah. contribution as a leader to setting those those circumstances right yeah. And just to echo that, that the John Adair model, I think for anyone listening in new to management or existed in management, it's a great model to get you to do a bit of self-analysis of am I allocating too much to the individual, the team, the task? Where can I balance better to get that true potential? So, yeah, really good share. Thank you ever so much for that. So uh, we know your job's challenging. So how do you cope with pressure uh, and that kind of part, Dan? How do you cope with that? Yeah, well, look, if I'm really honest, in the past couple of years, you know, there have been times when I thought I didn't cope that well, um, right. you know, and I've had to uh, really stop and think about, you know, am I am I um, doing the right things here to, to, to stay uh, resilient and stay stay fresh? And I, I, I rather suspect that that's relatable to, to many, many people listening because we've had this, you know, kind of hellish storm of... Um, different challenges, whether they be the pandemic or 
you know, the economic or political circumstances going on around us. And that's been, you know, amplified into our, into the microcosm of our lives, whether that's on a family level or an organisational level. So, yeah, it would be odd, wouldn't it, if, uh, if um, you know, any one of us thought that we were all above and beyond that and we worked it all out. Um, so really, I haven't. And, uh, you know, there are times when I don't think, you know, I've, I'm not on top of it today and I need to do, you know, I need to do something different. So, I think that's the clue that's the leap enough point is sort of noticing that in in yourself noticing that you have a need to be met um uh, around you know whether it's taking time out or just space and time to think uh, or you need to get a different take on something um you know though noticing when you need that and then uh, making the time for it um you know prioritizing it above the things that's burning right in front of you uh, yeah. sometimes you've got to you've got to say well if i'm going to be able to deal with those things and go you know go another day at yeah. this actually i'll need the space to 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 um regenerate um yeah. So, so there's that as, as well as noticing and having some of those different tools and tactics to kind of refresh and rejuvenate. Um, it's kind of having the things that you love in life um, uh, replenish you. And so, you know, for me, it's about family. It's about my loved one. It's about, um, you know, getting in, in the outdoors and gardening. Yeah. Uh, it's about you know, it's enjoying being with my dog, um, reading a great book. Um, so these things they are replenishing um, and you know it's those kind of um, uh, wells of, of energy that we draw upon in tougher times so um, you've got to keep topping them up um, so so I, I mean they, they are two things that I think are, are critical about um, you know resilience and getting through tough times and it's always the way people look at leadership of uh, that, that they're always going to be brilliant at resilience or they're always going to cope with things. But actually, it goes back to again of that, you know, it is tough. And I know even in my career, um, I had some tough times. But actually, the, the bit that was able for me was noticing it. I really like the way you said noticing that, you, that it was tough. Um, I think the other bit about replenishing and thinking about the good things of your family and walking the dog gardening i did smile then because i like gardening so that's two of <laughs> us in the world uh, that like gardening so but it just helps you create that thought time doesn't it yeah and I, and I think it's really imperative when when things are so busy people do need to take time just to come out of their bubble and just yeah. think and it helps them see a bit clearer than actually keep kind of what I could say, go kind of treading through the mud or yeah. treacle, if that makes yeah. sense. And also, you know, a change in the type of activity that you're doing. So if you're heavily engaged in, you know, uh, deep thinking, mentally tire tiring work, yeah. um, actually to get up and do something physical, yeah. it just you know releases something in us um, yeah. that may, that makes us able to come back fresh and see something we couldn't see when we were staring at that yeah. page for four hours so yeah. um gardening very like that isn't it because it's sort of you know you you, you get yourself uh, you, your hands dirty and it's very yeah. sort of a visceral experience but in a really gentle way yeah. so just that you can just be uh, yeah. and you know things will come into your brain nice and gently yeah. um yeah. that you that, you know you're not um necessarily reflecting upon in the busyness yeah. of life um yeah. and that in itself is 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 re-energizing i think um but you, you know you've got to find those passions the things that you love they're yeah. important uh, and then loads of stuff about just having some good you know trying to keep some boundaries and disciplines and things yeah. and you know for loads of things about you know it's all being uh 
pinged with notifications and the way that that again creates chemical reactions yes. and so on you know we we uh, they're great devices you know technology yeah. has done wonders for us but you know if we if we let them master us well rather than we master them to yeah. uh, to help our life be um, more organized uh, and better we'll just be cluttered by a different kind of clutter if you see what yeah. i mean yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, I think you've got to have some kind of routines, disciplines, those sorts of things that enable you to keep things in perspective, keep things organised, um, make, you know, make the, the the most important thing the most important thing, you know, yeah. you spend your time on. And, and just to pick up on that, the word boundaries as well. So uh, I remember when I moved from kind of uh, middle management to more senior management, I realised in my mind I needed to set those boundaries and actually that was probably one of the best things i did otherwise i would have been accessible to everybody 11 12 o'clock at night because that's what i thought when i was younger that i had to be super accessible that's the sign of a good leader but then i realized moving from that middle management to setting boundaries it enabled me to make uh, me more effective at my job i could concentrate on the work that was required i could then actually then switch off in those days it was the blackberry switch off my blackberry mm. you know an hour or two before i went to bed um and i've kind of taken that through with me that i turned my phone or devices off a couple of hours before i go to bed so i could start switching off rather than it's not good for us you know to have our phones next to a bed or something pinging or those kind of things it's really stood me in good stead about those kind of boundaries and setting those daily behaviors yeah and it, you know it's so easy to say isn't it but much harder to do because yeah. um you know they're, they're they're with us all the time and, and yeah. uh you know as you say whatever the habit is put it in another room put it yeah. some way away from where you're sleeping you know try and sleep well i'm not a great sleeper i have to say so i have to find ways to really wear myself out as much yeah. as i can and you know reading activity that kind of thing and then i'm tired when it's time for bed um you know it's things like your eating habits and drinking and stuff like that i mean probably uh, again you know when uh i enjoy a glass of wine and that kind of thing but that might not help with your sleeping if you got yes. busy uh, yeah. the day the next day and you have to be on top form um yeah. it's just thinking about when and how and you know yeah. how much and all of that yeah. is going to be yeah no definitely so if we were to go back in time uh, what three tips would you give the younger version of Dan about authentic leadership? What three tips would you give yourself? Yeah, OK. Um, so number one, you're, you're good enough as you are. You know, being you uh, is is um, is a unique thing, a special thing. Um, yeah. And actually try to be the best version of you, not um, not a, you know, a version of somebody else who you think is better. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you know i think that's that's a recipe for um you know uh, tiring self-editing and whatever it might be i mean i i you know in my life um some of the uh, honest self-reflection and you know recognition of who you are and your identity is is ch is challenging because uh, for me there's obviously a point in my life when i wasn't open about my sexuality and now you know that's something that is absolutely uh, fundamental to me it shapes my identity um and you know needing to uh self-edit throughout a whole period of my young adult life is a tiring exhausting thing to do and i think the same is true whether it's not about something that's so fundamental and core to your identity but if it's just more about you know your work style preferences or something else if you try to be something you're not you will inevitably be a less successful you than trying to be the best version of you 
Um, so, so I think, um, you know, knowing that bit of truth about the value and appreciating your difference is is very, very important. Um, I think there's something about, uh, you know, kind of when it feels really tough and, and something in front of you looks impossible, um, the value in uh, setting out about trying to, uh, you know, see how you can tackle that anyway and kind of saying, saying yes to really difficult things, even though at that point you don't know that they're possible to achieve and you don't know how to work out. You don't have to have all the answers before you start something. You know, go in, go into something with with lots of questions yeah. and develop develop the questions as you go and then seek um seek all the help and resources that there are around you um you know and that's probably the third point is build great networks people who you uh, are inspired by energize you can learn something from people who are very different to you you might disagree with them very strongly you might have a very different outlook but you know all of these people they in, enrich your perspective uh, and hopefully help um you know bring something to to, to who you ultimately become um, so I'd say surround yourself with lots of different people who are great in their own rights of being them. No, thank you very much for for sharing that, Dan. Uh, and also, I, I was just sitting there thinking, it wasn't till in my kind of mid to late thirties that, as a leader, I actually felt comfortable in my own skin. I, I'd kind of uh, been imposter syndrome, and yeah. I'd seen previous managers behave and thinking that I'm going to have to manage by fear and I'm going to do and it wasn't until in my 30s I thought do you know what I'm all right I'm okay I can do these things and I'll do it in Steve's way um, and they were then the best next kind of 10 years of my career which was wonderful and it felt so enjoyable doesn't it it feels like a big release yeah. um, off your shoulders doesn't it and self self-improvement journeys you know they 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 often um foolishly have within them this this need to compare you know yeah. com comparison I think that is a, a route to some sort of destructive thinking if you're not careful I think you've, you've, you've got to be careful about taking that to extremes um, you know uh, I, I think there's there's something about um, appreciating and liking what's good about you um, you know accepting we all need some affirmation including positive self-regard personal regard um, because that that's healthy and you know why why shouldn't we deserve that as people? Yeah, no, fantastic. And how would you support your team on a daily, weekly, monthly basis? How would you support your how do you currently support your team, Dan? Yeah, so I guess I've, I've got lots of different sorts of teams. Right. Uh, put it like that. Um, yeah. You know, there are sort of temporary teams that are brought together for different things there's my you know kind of core director and departmental team there's a chief officer group that's leading the organization so I, th I think I belong to lots of different teams and play different you know roles and leadership roles within those um, but you know I try to bring it back to a strengths-based approach to leadership what what are, what are the unique things I can contribute to this team in this situation um, so, you know, regularly um, I try to, uh, you know, help teams, um, uh, you know, analyse and think about what's going on in any given situation and then make some sense of it because yeah. I'm quite good intuitively, I think, absorbing, absorbing lots of um, information and data in the broader sense, including sort of, you know, more softer sensory stuff to say what's actually happening right now. Yeah. 
uh, and how do we you know how do we draw out from that the key things that we need to focus on so helping people make sense of that that picture and sometimes a bigger picture than might occur to the team and then helping the team to say well okay if that's the case what's what's our route and where you know where are we going so I, I try to with the team spend time talking about our planning and I try to try to get the team invested in um, you know setting some goals um, both individually and collectively and then sharing discussing those I think I'm I think one of the things I enjoy doing is sort of navigating where there are points of um, uh, friction or you know um, difficulties or differences in perspectives to ne to negotiate and navigate um so again trying to be a facilitative person within that and somebody that can you know uh, help uh, restore and yeah. uh, create um reparation when things have not gone quite to plan um uh, and then really just to listen a lot and and um you know tune into where people are at and as I say, whether it's that personal coaching, the one-to-one -one stuff, or the or the team things, or the encouragement, or the you know just the um, I guess the kind of kind word that helps to point out the greatness in someone else and builds builds people up because you know uh, we need people to tell us those things and to spot spot that in us. So I try to be um, I try to be conscious in my role in in the team to playing to the strengths that I. You know, I see in me, which I think, you know, are around those sorts of sorts of things, really, those sorts of habits. And it's really good because I'm a believer of playing to people's strengths, because the more you play to their strengths, other things will follow. Whereas I think if you play to people's weaknesses, A, they're going to feel down about it. They're not going to give it their best shot. They're not going to be committed to it. And then guess what? We tell them off because they weren't very good at it. So it's a kind of self-fulfilling prophecy at the end of the day. So I really I really like that. And I love the bit then which people forget about listening, because as a leader, you can hear so many things and people tell you things. They're not going to be sometimes overtly and say, I have a problem, but they may say, yeah, I'm struggling a little bit. That's for us as leaders to go. Actually, I need to tune into that person um, and really kind of find out if they're OK. And then I like the last bit there about facilitating or navigating I, I just one of my beliefs and other people know this, that leaders can't just take the paycheck for the good times. They have to take the paycheck for the people and the bad times and facilitate and navigate around the issues. You can't just then pass it on to somebody else to deal with. You have to be there. And I think people respect that leader more, don't they? I totally agree. I totally agree. I mean, you can't you can't give away, you can't abrogate that essential accountability that you hold. But what you you can do is uh, bring people in on it and support them with their responsibilities and accountabilities in a way that you know um, you know honours the reality of their experience and that you know um, supports them through difficult times because you know we've all had that. Um, yeah. But but ultimately, you know, when you when you're carrying and ultimately you should roll for a team or something like that you know the, the success or failure or whatever it is in between you know the butt stops with you they can you yeah. carry the can um yeah. and uh you know you should do that in a way that hopefully has you know has a sense of kind of humility and um says to people look uh i care about getting this right um but i know there are going to be times when uh, that's you know it's hard for us to to have felt we've succeeded or to have got exactly the result we wanted and what we must always try and do is take something from that so that we're better next time um, 
but yeah, you can't you can't give away that ultimate accountability. Yeah. yeah, no, spot on. So the last question, the sixty-four million dollar question: What's the self development? What are you working on for Dan this year in twenty twenty-three? Yeah, I think it goes back to um, something that we've been talking about earlier in the conversation, which is just about. Uh, you know, making um, that kind of space and time for what we love, um, because that drives your kind of inner energy for, um, you know, getting difficult stuff done and get, you know, overcoming challenges. So um, I want to refocus on, um, you know, things that I enjoy and things that I love and make time for them. Um, I think these have been a, an exceptionally difficult year for very, very many people these, these, these um, last couple of years. Um, and as I move into a, a different job in a different organisation, you know, hopefully just speaking to that idea of learning, I'll take all the things that I've loved here, you know, about the people, about the purpose and the mission that we have and about, um, you know, about performance and how to get stuff done um, and try to translate that into a different environment. Not not such that it's, um, you know, uh, applied formulaically, but um, so that the essence of it remains and, uh, in that new context, I, I find different insights about how to how to apply that, those those learnings in a new way. Um, so I'm really looking forward to being re-energized by uh, a new job, a new place, new people, and you know, for, making sure I've got balance in my life around the you know the time for the things I love. No, fantastic. So, um, Dan, can I just say a big thank you? The time's flown by for our conversation. I'm sure we could just talk for ages. Uh, I just want to say really thank you for joining the Inspiring Thoughts podcast today. Uh, and I just wish you the very, very best for your new job and your new role. Uh, but you've been a wonderful guest today. So thank you so much, Dan. I really, really appreciate it. Thanks so much for inviting me, Stephen. Brilliant.